Hiring great people is one of the most important things you can do as a leader. We're going to discuss the reasons why it's important. We'll describe a really great person so that you know what a top performer is. Talk about the steps to hire a great person and discuss the top 10 tips on hiring great people. So here's just a few reasons why hiring great people is important. Number one, they make you look good. Number two, top performers get more done. Three, it creates successors for you, allowing you to move up in your organization. There are many more reasons to hire top performers, but that's just a few. Probably the biggest reason to hire top performers as opposed to low-level performers is that poor performers take up to four times the effort to manage as top performers and produce one-fourth the work of top performers. So you spend a lot more time managing poor performers than you do top performers, and they get a lot less done, meaning the other critical key to success as a leader, which we can talk about in another episode, is performance management. Once you identify someone is not a good performer, you need to get them out of your organization because you will spend inordinate amounts of times managing that poor performer. It's much better to have a team of top performers that lead, need little management and can be extremely successful. So let's talk about what top performers look like. Jack Welch of GE fame popularized a model for looking at performance within an organization. This model was composed of three groups, the top 20%, middle 60%, and bottom 20%. He went on to describe each of these categories, and I think it furthers our understanding of what top performers are to understand the different categories of performance. Top 20% is where we're focused. This is no more than 20% of any group of people. This group is characterized by extremely high performance. Individuals that fall into this group normally get more done than is requested of them. They're self-motivated. They achieve their high achievers that are intrinsically motivated or motivated from within to achieve more than others. They strive to take on more, do more, accomplish more, gain more responsibility, and have more impact in their organization. These folks can be relatively easily bored and often look for increased responsibility every two to three years. When given a task, these individuals do more than what you ask them to do. They do it with little to no guidance, and they do it better, faster, more efficiently than you have asked for. These are the top people in any organization and are typically less than 20% of any organization. In Jack Welsh's world, they actually categorized these people numerically so that performance was rated, and the top 20% were, guess what, the top 20%. These folks also have choices. Top 20 percenters are smart, articulate, good communicators. They get a lot done. Because of this, they never really have to look for a job. If they do look for a job, they get multiple job offers. Typically, top performers get an offer for every job that they interview for. Top performers are in demand. They have choices. They're top performers. If you want to hire one, you need to work differently and acknowledge that these folks are different. 
We'll go back to that, but let's talk about the other categories, which are a little bit less exciting. Middle 60s are categorized by the middle of your organization. These are people who come to work every day and show up. They do a pretty good job, an okay job. If they're managed properly, given the right direction, they can even look like a top 20 percenter. The difference is the top 20 percenter, you can't keep them down. You don't need to manage them that much. They get it done. Middle 60s need management. With management intervention, middle 60s can become top 20s. These folks are the bread and butter and the core of your organization. Many folks who you think are going to be top 20s might end up being middle 60s, and that's okay. You need these people in your organization. They're really valuable folks in the organization. Bottom 20 percenters are not valuable people in your organization. These are poor performers. They might be in the wrong job. They might be they may be lacking the skills or experience to do what you need them to do, or they could be lacking the motivation or personal issues that get in the way of their performance. These folks are in the wrong job or in the wrong organization. They need to be managed out in a humane, professional way and moved along to a role or an organization that's a better fit for them where they can be successful. Jack Welch practices very much in his organization, and he identified that many folks who are managed out of GE as bottom 20s found new productive roles within other organizations or other careers where they're able to perform at much more acceptable levels. So don't feel bad for these people. You're doing them a service by helping them to identify the right role where they can have an impact. Innate character and job-specific traits. In terms of innate character, things like hardworking, smart, driven, self-motivated, these are things that can't be trained. They're also known as traits and competencies. Traits would describe innate character of people. Traits are unchangeable. They are comprised of values, the way people work. Competencies are acquired skills. So competencies tend to be job-specific, where traits tend to be more general about the person, how they work, and how they are. Some job-specific traits can vary depending on the job you want to hire. If you're looking for a stockbroker, you probably want someone that's money-motivated. If you want someone to work in non-for-profit, that might not be the right trait. As you're hiring people, it's important to take an inventory on what's critical to you. The next category is experience. Have they done the things you want them to do? The best predictor of future performance is past and current performance. I'm going to repeat that. The best predictor of future performance is past and current performance. So what people have done in the past and what they're doing now is going to give a good prediction of what they're going to do for you. The third category is fit. Do they fit the culture of your company? How well will they work with your team? How well will they work with you? Do they provide complementary skills? Complementary skills is a critical factor in building an organization. What this means is you don't want a group of people who think just like you. Managing a group of people who think just like you is called groupthink. We want people with different skills, different experiences, different personality styles, 
that can come together for the group to be more effective than an individual. So now that we've talked about some general characteristics of top performers, let's talk about how we hire them. So here's some steps to hiring great people. Planning, alignment, and interview. Let's go deeper in this planning phase. So in planning, there are three major questions to ask yourself. What do you want? What do you need? And what do you have to offer? Let's talk about what you want. Get out a blank piece of paper. Write down everything that's important to you in this role. Experience. Character. Some people call it traits and competencies. As we said before, traits are innate, competencies are learned. Think about your team. What skills or experience would complement your team? What do you need? Now clear your mind and think about the three absolute minimums you must have in the person. So in the first exercise, you created a laundry list of the things you want. And these aren't unimportant and you shouldn't throw them away. You should keep them. But you also need to break it down to the three most critical things that you need. These are typically experiences or competencies. Typically, people don't compromise on traits. They compromise on the competencies or experiences, meaning you can find a good person who's hardworking, motivated, and a good communicator. You may have issues with some specific technical skills, but that's where you just need to think creatively about what skills you must have and how long you're willing to wait to find that ideal person. When we talk about the top 20%, middle 60, and bottom 60, and bottom 20, there's nothing in there about technical experience. It is much to do with attitude, motivation, work ethic, values. It's not to say that you can hire a bunch of inexperienced people and be successful. They must have some basic business experiences that are relevant to what you're looking for them to do. But what's more important is that they have those, co- those traits, those character, those pieces of their character that will make them successful. So you have to focus and you have to listen and you have to let the noise of competencies blur out so that you can listen and think through who you need to do your job. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about how to hire this person. And the best way to look at this is what I call either the airplane or the boat analogy. And it's out there, so you might have heard this before. And if you drive a boat or an airplane, you'll know this. But I like to sail, so we'll use the sailing analogy. So when you teach people to sail, what you do is you tell them to focus on a point way out in the distance, right? What they don't do is hold the wheel or the tiller straight. Because if they do, and they focus on a point in the distance, they don't end up at that point in the distance. You say, focus on the point in the distance and keep the boat pointed at the point. That means that there is thousands, if not millions, of minute adjustments in steering that are made to sail a boat from point A to point B. You have the wind pushing the boat one way. You have the current. You have the sails. You have all these different factors that are pushing the boat in different directions so that if you just held the boat straight, you wouldn't get to where you need. A more common analogy that you might think of is a car. To get from one point to another, you just don't hold the steering wheel straight. You're constantly making twists and turns along the road to get to where you need to to go. Same thing with an airplane. You can't just fly an airplane straight and level. The winds are buffeting you. 
They're moving you side to side, up and down. You have turbulence. You have to make constant adjustments to get to where you need to go. Hiring somebody is just like that. The list that we just made of the must-haves and the list of the nice-to-haves are our goal. We might adjust the nice-to-haves. We will definitely make turns along the way. The people who doggedly stick to a profile and will accept nothing less and interview nothing different are frequently not successful in hiring great people because they lose the focus on those traits because they're so focused on their list that they can't hear what a great person sounds like. So don't become that person. The final planning step is figure out how you will attract great people. Top performers have choices. As we said before, they might have multiple job offers. They probably will. So you'll need to sell them. You'll need to put on your sales cap. In order to do this, you need to prepare the information to allow you to communicate throughout the process with these folks. Here's some things to think about. What is it about your company that would make them want to work there? What is it about you, your team, the job? You must be able to articulate the why. You have to be able to show them that the job that you have and that you want them to do is better than the job that they're currently doing today. If you've listened to my interview training on the candidate side, I use the dating analogy. This is also a good time for that same analogy. Typically, when I interview a candidate, I don't start by selling them on the great points of my job. I start by interviewing them to decide if they're the right person, if they have the right traits and competencies, motivation, drive, experiences. Once I feel like this could be a person, then I start shifting the conversation to a balance of understanding more about them and helping them understand more about me, my job, the company, the opportunity. What will it lead to? You need to be able to answer the question, If the person comes in and does an amazing job, what will this job lead to? Don't be a dead-end manager. Should have been on my list, and it's not, so I'm going to add it now. You need to be able to be focused on developing top performers. Top performers aren't stagnant. They want career growth. They want new opportunities. They want to be exposed to the latest and greatest things, and they want to grow their career. So another secret to hiring top performers is create a role that grows. If you're looking for someone to just sit in the back office and deliver files all day or design widgets, you won't get a top performer. You might get a middle 60 that just wants a job versus a career, but you won't get a top performer. So think about creating flexibility and growth in your organization so that you can develop top performers and provide them a career path because that's what they want. And you need to be able to talk about this in the interview process. So now that we understand what we want, what we need, and what we can offer, let's get some help. It's important to get help. So where can help come from? The interview team, HR, internal and external recruiters. So take your show on the road. The first place to stop is get input from HR, and if you're lucky enough for your organization to have internal recruiting, then from recruiting. If you don't, pick up the phone and call someone like me. You need to find out. Are your expectations in line with the market? Did you miss anything? Are there other things you should be looking for? Is there another solution to your employment need than what you've written down? 
Is the profile different? The HR team is experts at putting this together. They can also help you to figure out what complementary skills you need on your team. So get that input. It'll help you at the end. So next, you need to gain alignment with your interview team. You should select three to four people who you trust are good at interviewing and can help give you input and also sell the opportunity. One of the other tenants to sales is people who hear consistent messages from multiple people tend to buy. So you need to align your interview team, not just with what you're looking for, but what's great about this job and why a top performer would want to take it. You need them selling the job and the opportunity as well as interviewing. It should be a 50-50 mix of interviewing and screening and selling your job. Now, if it's not a good person, interview and screen them out in the phone interview process. Don't bring them in face-to-face. People who you bring in face-to-face should have the basic skills to do the job, unless you're really struggling. If you're really struggling and others are recommending several people to interview, that might be an option. Sometimes just talking to people helps. We'll discuss this in the tips section, but for now, it's an idea. So meet with the interview team and tell them what you expect. Identify specific areas for each interviewer to focus on. Make sure that you talk about how you're going to debrief on the interview process and debrief quickly. Ultimately, you make the decision, not the interview team. They're giving you input, but you need to think about who is the right person for you, not the interview team, and that could be different. So let's talk about top 10 tips for hiring great people. Number one, get good at interviewing. Take a class, read a book, or tune in to my upcoming podcast on interviewing. But here's some short tips in case you haven't taken a class yet. Listen for what's not being said. Don't stick to an interview script. Go where the questions go. Be curious. Get to know the person. Number two, hire the right person for you. As we discussed before, many people will have input in your hiring process. At the end of the day, it comes down to who is the right person to work for you? Who can you motivate? Who do you connect with? Who can you manage? This is going to vary based on your level of experience and also what you're looking for in the person you hire for this job. But ultimately, you're the only person in a position to have all this information to make the decision. So be decisive. You're a leader. This is why they're paying you the big bucks. You got to make the call. Number three, don't wait if you find a good person. Move quickly. Make a good offer. As we've said before, top performers have multiple choices. If you wait to compare one person to another person, that top performer is going to find another job and they're going to be gone. So if you have put in your homework, you know what you're looking for, you know what a top performer looks like, when you interview them, move quickly. Don't get overly focused on process. It sounds great to your boss. It sounds great to the organization. Well, we're going to interview three people, and then we're going to do a second round, and then we're going to get together and stare at our belly buttons for a month, and then we're going to hire a person. Great people don't get hired through process. Great people get hired through profile, decisions, selling, and fast movement. So be decisive, move quickly, know what you're looking for, don't get overly fixated on process. Number four, well, here's process. Keep good candidates engaged. Phone interview, face-to-face, an email along the way makes a big difference. People go to work for people, so create a relationship. 
Once you identify this person as someone who you want to work with, who you want to work for you, who has the skills and has the experience, put in that extra effort to build some level of relationship with this individual that's appropriate to the process where they feel engaged, where they feel like ultimately they're going to want to take the job because they get the opportunity to work for you. Number five, be flexible. Remember my airplane analogy. Don't be the person who doggedly sticks to this profile on a piece of paper and lets the world pass them by. When it comes down to it, you need to adapt. You need to adjust to the market and find the right person to plug the hole in your organization to keep you moving forward and keep the organization moving forward. If they're not a top 20 percenter, but they're still good, maybe they're the right person now. You can plug the hole. And you can always upgrade the organization later. Maybe they're more successful than you think and you don't need to, but you need to be willing to take a risk. Number six, engage actively in the process. Don't sit and wait. Call HR. Call a recruiter. Call your internal recruiter. Post your job. Network. Get engaged. The best leaders are actively engaged in their hiring process. When I work with a manager... I like to meet weekly to update on the progress. It's not that we're going to have a resume every week, and it might not be an hour call, but it's good to just check in, see where we're at, see what's changed, and make sure they know what I'm doing to get things done. You need to take the steering wheel. You're the manager. You're the person who needs to get this done, so you need to drive the process. It's not that you should be impatient. It takes time to hire great people. Sometimes it takes time to get through the market to get to the right people. Because statistically, there are only 20%. So out of 100 people, only 20 are top performers. Out of those 20 top performers, it's said that only 6 to 8% might be open to making a job change. That's one person out of every 100. So it takes time to get through the marketplace. Don't rush it. Number seven, interview, interview, interview. Don't just knock people out based on a resume. If they're recommended by a knowledgeable person, you need to interview. This is another tip that's really important. When people fail at at hiring, they tend to get overly focused on a profile, and then they also get overly picky on resumes. So they literally make no progress. They don't interview. And interviewing or talking to people really does help you assess what is most critical to you. What is the most important thing? As you speak to people, That formulates in your mind. So if you're stuck, interview. Number eight, trust your gut. Malcolm Gladwell, in his classic business book, Blink, provides really, really good insight into what he calls thin slicing. I highly recommend this book for people who are hiring. But Jack Welch says it too. Go with your gut. Listen to what your gut's saying. If your gut says it's a good person, hire him. If your gut says this isn't the right person, don't. Number nine is all about your gut, too. Don't let yourself get paralyzed. Many people make bad hires. I tell you, I've made bad hires, and this is what I do. It's really hard to hire great people. So if you make a mistake, move on. Don't get stuck. Don't keep holding out for the right, 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 right person because last time you didn't hire the right person. You're going to make mistakes. That's okay. Part of being a great leader is moving forward making decisions, and then acting on those decisions. And if they're incorrect, fix it. Performance manage the person out. But don't get stuck waiting on this the hill 
for this ideal person to ride in on a white horse. The world's going to pass you by and you'll fail. You need to adjust to the market. You need to not get paralyzed. Number 10, my final tip in hiring great people is get good at interviewing and hiring passive candidates. So let's talk about what a passive candidate is. A passive candidate is a person that's not actively looking for a job. Active candidates are far easier to understand. Active candidates are people who have their resume ready, are applying to jobs, and actively interviewing. They're looking for a job. Passive candidates are people who are well taken care of, do a good job in their current role, and aren't really looking for a new opportunity. So I know it's in your mind. If they're not looking for a new opportunity, then why are they interviewing? Well, passive candidates are open to hearing about a new opportunity that's better than what they're doing today or might help them advance their career. Many top performers are passive candidates. They're smart enough to know that they don't want to be tied to one individual organization or one individual manager. They want to have options, and in order to have options, they need to look at other opportunities to see if those opportunities are better than what they're doing today and how they might contribute to their career growth. So a passive candidate isn't really looking. Many managers have trouble with passive candidates. They knock them out of the process because, quote, they really weren't interested. They really weren't looking. When I hear a good candidate that has good experience isn't looking, the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. I start to get a little bit of a smile because I know that it might be a passive candidate. It might be a top performer that's not looking, that I can sell, that I can convince that the job I have is better than the one they have today. It just has to be better than the one they have today. You need to provide them a good opportunity. If you don't, they won't work for you. But if you can provide a good opportunity for a passive candidate, you have a much higher likelihood of hiring a star. So those are my tips for hiring really great people. 